You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. We are actually in part three of our series uh, on relationships. It's called Relationship Status. And as I told you last week, it's not only our relationship status, single, married, uh, some of us still have on Facebook. It's complicated. I don't even know what that means. It's complicated, but you know what it means. Uh, but, but whatever your uh, relationship status is, the, actually what I feel is most important is the status of those relationships that you have in your life. And, uh, and, and while we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll speak to some things related to dating today and marriage, and uh, I unashamedly will fight for marriages because I believe that the enemy wants to destroy and undermine a society, a nation, a culture, a city, a community. He always goes after the family. And if he wants to go after family, he goes after marriage. And so we want to fight for and come alongside and make, help make your marriage strong uh, in Jesus. But uh, this is for everybody. This isn't just for those relationships, our romantic relationships. This is actually for uh, us as parents. This is for us with our friends, our coworkers. All of us have relationships that if we were honest, they could be better. Uh, all of us have relationships we wish were better. And I'm gonna give you some keys today. In fact, if you missed any part of this series, you can go back on the podcast uh, and I'd encourage you to listen, especially last week we talked about communication. Uh, Communication, how many of you were tested in communication this week? Like, how many of you were testing communication on the way to church today? Like, it, you may have had that. That's okay. I, I was uh, during the week. The worst thing about preaching about communication is you find out how bad you are at it sometimes. Um, but, but today, uh, the message title, if you're taking notes, is My Toxic Trait. My Toxic Trait. If you're wondering if you have a toxic trait, but you actually don't think you do, don't think you have areas to grow, well, maybe that is your toxic trait. Uh, all of us have areas to grow, and all of us have areas where our emotions can be healed, where our uh, hearts and lives, our pattern, our words, our behavior, uh, things that influence us and lives that we influence, but also even just our relationships with people. Sometimes, unfortunately, those relationships can become toxic. Uh, what do I mean by toxic? Well, listen, a toxin is a poisonous substance, and here's the dictionary definition, so bear with me for a minute, uh, that's a specific product of a metabolic activities of a living organism, and here's the important part, is very unstable. Uh, it's the things that bring instability to our lives and our relationships that undermine, and I believe God wants to help us both tackle those, not only in relationship to other people, but also in our own lives today. So uh, we're going to have relationship detox. Come on, somebody. Uh, let's go. Uh, Genesis 2.18 said, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. So here's what he did. He made a helper, his wife. He made, brought to Adam, brought his wife Eve. And God said that not only was he desiring relationship with man, but God created people for relationship. And of course, this is the start of the first marriage and therefore the first family. But, but it's also true in every area of our lives that it is not good that we should dwell alone. That's why God gave us the church, to be a community, a family, that we grow together in our faith, that nobody has to do life alone and go through life alone, but we all can grow together. And uh, for our relationships, though, to get better, here's what I found. I can't control people in my life. Anybody still trying to do that? Don't raise your hand. In fact, let me just give you a disclaimer. Um, if, if you get something out of this message for you, I really hope so. Uh, but if you get this, something out of this message for somebody else, and you think, you know, I'm going to send this message to somebody, and Pastor Brian was preaching about toxic relationships, and I thought of you. So here, please listen to this message. I'm just going to say, don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> 
But, but here's what I want us to see. There's three things we're gonna look at today. I gave you 17 points last week, sorry. Um, I'm gonna only do three today. Keep it simple, but I'm gonna actually give you those at the front end of this message so that we can unpack it through the course of this. The very first thing we need to know to get our relationships, to have our relationships to be better is number one, we need to know our value. We need to know, you need to know your value. And I think there's a lot of places we try to get value, identity, and even significance from that ultimately is short-term, temporary, and ultimately can leave us empty. Uh, in fact, God gave you relationships to be a blessing to you and for you to be a blessing to others. And, and last week, we talked about the importance of encouragement in relationship, especially within the context of marriage, that we are to build others up, we're to lift them, and, and, and all that's true and necessary. But can I also tell you that if you're looking to another person to fill a void and an emptiness or a need on the inside of you, at some point, they will not say the right thing. At some point, they will run out of words to say. At some point, you will not find out of that person what you need. In fact, we were created for a relationship with God and all our relationships with people get better when our relationship with God gets better and only God can give us true meaning and true value and purpose. Here's what the Bible says in Colossians. Well, I told you I'd give you the other two. <laughs> the first one is to know your value. The second one, and we'll go through this, is to stick to your values, to stick to your values. And the third one is to see the value in other people. So, so to see the value in other people. I'll, I'll go back to those. Uh, but first off, let me just say, uh, I'm unashamedly fighting for marriages in this room, but just because I speak to marriages a lot does not mean that being single means that somehow you're less than or you're incomplete. Are, are you with me? And all the single ladies and men said, amen. Okay. Um, in fact, if you, I should say, raise your hand and then you can find somebody. Anyway, let's go. Um, <laughs> we will have a special section at the altar just for you. But, but here's what I want you to know, that, that another person will not complete you. I don't care what Jerry Maguire, the movie said. As sweet as that is, no one else on planet earth is created to complete you. No one else is meant to complete you. Only Jesus can complete you. In fact, here's what the Bible says in Colossians chapter two. I believe it's in verse 10. It says, you are complete in him, in Jesus. So our, our, our feeling of fulfillment ultimately can come, only come, and our value comes from a relationship with Jesus. I apologize, our notes didn't have the verse on there, so I'll just tell you what it is, Colossians 2.10. But here's what happens, that, that we need to find our value and identity from the person of Jesus, from the one who created us. Do you know that you have value because you're made in the image of God? I know they say you, that people are a random act of some chemical uh, reaction in a pool of goo, but you are actually created in the very image of Almighty God. God formed you and shaped you in your mother's womb. In fact, before he even did that, he loved you and knew you. And he called you and he gave you a purpose. And our value comes from who made us because the one who made us gets to define who we are. Are you with me? So if he defines who we are, the world doesn't have to. Our value doesn't come from who left us, who hurt us, who walked out on us. Our identity doesn't come from what didn't work. But here's where our value and significance comes from. It actually comes from a relationship with Jesus. When we don't get that, we'll actually struggle because sometimes we'll think, well, if I just have that friendship, if I just have that opportunity, those network connections for my business, if I, if I just have that relationship, dating or in marriage, then it will fix my, what's broken on the inside. But here's the thing, if, if, 
if I think marriage will fix me, so let me just say, if you struggle with lust before you're married, you'll struggle with lust after you're married if you don't deal with it. So, so if I'm struggling with feeling insecure, having another person in my life will actually not deal with insecurity, it'll actually feed it. Because I'll treat that other person on the basis of where I feel like I lack. And so value is significant. In fact, if you're dating, you need to know your value because it will determine how you approach that relationship. I'll, I'll still deal with that in more in a moment, but, but our value is vital. And let me just take it a step further. Not only does your value come from who created you, but it also comes from who redeemed you. Because if you wanna know what your life is worth to God, I've told our church this many times, the value of an object is found by what someone is willing to pay for it. My kids told me what someone was willing to pay for a Pokemon card. It was ridiculous. Like if something's rare and valuable and has meaning and significance to somebody, cost doesn't even factor into the equation. Like people will spend ridiculous amounts of money just to make a purchase because they see value in something. Can I tell you what your life is worth to God? Look at what heaven paid. God sent his own son. Heaven's streets are paid with gold, but God didn't give gold for you. He gave his own son. He gave Jesus. He gave the greatest price and paid the greatest price. That's what you're worth to God. That's where your value comes from. If we don't get it from there, if we don't get our value and identity from there, we will always be looking to somewhere else outside of us to feed that need of insecurity. Here's what ends up happening. We become jealous of others. We live self-seeking lives. James 3.16 says, where envy and self-seeking exist, it's a breeding ground for confusion in every evil thing. So if we wanna have toxic relationships, that's how, right there. Envy and self-seeking. Like, I'm gonna be all about me first. Or I'm gonna be jealous of others. Here's the problem with jealousy, especially for a Christian. If I'm jealous of another, envious of another, I wish I had their opportunity. I wish my family life was like their family life. I, I, and, and we begin to look at others in envy. Here's what we're saying to God in jealousy and envy. We're saying, God, you're not good enough for me too. In fact, let me just let me help you. I've found areas where I felt envious when I found out that I couldn't celebrate somebody else's blessing. Can you celebrate when somebody else gets the very thing you've been asking God for? Can you, can, you, can you celebrate when someone else gets that promotion that you've been wanting to have? You know what I think? It's a heart check and God still has enough for you. In fact, he has more than enough. Here's what the Bible says we should do instead. But the wisdom, verse 17, the wisdom that is from above is first pure, innocent, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. And that would have been good for communication, willing to yield. Some of us, we've not been willing to yield in 20 years of marriage. <laughs> We're still digging in our heels, full of mercy. In other words, we're not saying to people, I'm done with you. I've burned the bridge. No, we're full of mercy, good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So we need to be careful of that. But I believe for us to deal with insecurity, we have to first deal with this fundamental thing. We are accepted in Christ Jesus. Our identity comes from a relationship with God. Ephesians chapter one, verse six we are saved and forgiven to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted. If you know you're accepted by God, it doesn't matter who rejected you. Now, I'm just gonna be honest. It still stinks when someone rejects you. You still feel it. 
but how you deal with it and how you respond has everything to do with this. Do I, does their rejection mean that my value is less or do I find my value in Christ? That's absolutely essential that we know and believe that we are accepted and fully loved by a faithful God. He didn't love us based on our ability or our, our, our always performing right. In fact, here's what the Bible says. God loved us when we were sinners. And he sent Jesus for us. Now, let me just deal with another side of identity because sometimes I believe we have false identity. We say things like, well, that's just who I am. And we dig into a false identity in our relationships and we say, this is just how I was raised or this is, this is my people, this is what we do and this is, this, is our, this is the way my family's always been. Like we have areas where we dig into what I would consider to be toxic things that are actually destructive to our relationship. Here's how we know if it's good. Does it look like Jesus? Well, that's just who I am. It's my Enneagram number. That's just who I am. It's my personality type. Listen, God created you with your personality. Amen. And your personality is different than the person next to you. In fact, I can almost guarantee it's different than the person next to you, especially if you're married to them. <laughs> and I told you last week, our differences don't have to be deficits. They can be a blessing. So we need to see value in But you know every personality type has weaknesses and strengths? So that's true. But here's what I've also found. I shouldn't dig into and take a personality behavior and say, that's, that's who I am. Because if it doesn't look like Jesus, it's something that I'm supposed to surrender to the foot of the cross. I, I, I should preach that whole sermon. That, that, that's just who I am. No, no. What if it's an area where you and I can grow? And we can become more like Jesus. All of us have areas we need more freedom. We want more life and we want our relationships to be better. Number two, I told you, is we should stick to. First, we need to know our value, but then we need to stick to our values. What are values? It's the things we most believe are important. It's what's, what's most important in my life. In fact, it's also what's first in my life. Some of us think we have values, but they're not the things we put first. What's first in my life is what I really have a value of, what I prioritize and what I really believe deep on the inside. In fact, our values come from a few places. They can come from others. In fact, God designed us to get our values from our family to be a place that should be life-giving, encouraging, build us up. Um, we also get our values many times from culture. We get our values from our own self-interest. This is just what I wanna do. As a Christian, I would challenge you to get your primary and most important values from the truth of the word of God. The more I follow Jesus, the more I find out what matters to God is actually what's going to produce the greatest benefit in my life. And, and so when you look through the Bible, you see people that had to stick to their values. You have to stick to your values in relationships at work. You have to stick to your values even in relationships in church because sometimes in church we, we have sins that are unacceptable and sins that are acceptable. What do I mean? We have sins like gossip that we go, okay, you know, that one, God doesn't care about that one as much. Do you know what the problem is? If it's undermining and sabotaging the relationship, it's destructive. And sometimes we justify and we have a list of things that are wrong, but our list is a little bit different than this person's list. And we go, okay, well, these are okay because that's just my personality, just who I am. 
But, but here's the thing. God wants us to grow in this and we need to know what our values are. What if you're around people that all they do is gossip? You can decide. You don't have to let that environment determine who you'll be. In fact, sometimes we get too many of our values from the rooms and circles and environments we're in. So Daniel, Daniel's becomes a, a well-known prophet in the Old Testament, but Daniel started out as a young guy, carried away captive, brought in to work for one of the worst bosses in human history. Major ego this guy had, threatened his life on multiple occasions. And, and Daniel, before he comes to work with him, already knows that in that environment, there is a lot of compromise. And here's what Daniel 1.8 says. Daniel chapter one, verse eight says, Daniel purposed in his heart. He determined beforehand who he would be and what he was gonna do, that he would not defile himself. He said, I already know I'm going to an environment where there's a lot of compromise. There's a lot of stuff going on. In fact, there it had to do with the food, but it wasn't just about the food. It was food offered in the worship of an idol. And Daniel says, I wanna honor my relationship with God above everything else. And when you have a value of honoring God first and foremost, that when other relationships don't value God the way you value God, you have the decision to make. Will I allow that relationship to define me? So if you're dating somebody and they, can I just help you? If God doesn't have their heart, don't give them yours. I'm saving you a whole lot of counseling later. <laughs> I want somebody, and thankfully I have that, who loves me, but man, my wife loves Jesus even more than she loves me. And that grows our relationship. That builds our relationship. Because we need a relationship with God that actually keeps us grounded, keeps us growing, keeps us moving forward. How can two walk together unless they're agreed? That's what Amos 3.3 says. So we need to have that alignment with our closest relationships. And here's, here's why this is important, because people will have an influence on you, and that's not bad, but, but we have to decide beforehand, before I enter into temptation, before I enter into rejection or a conflict or a problem or an argument, who am I gonna be? And I've learned the best way is that I'm gonna honor God no matter how somebody treats me. So Joseph's another guy like Daniel who is brought into, man, he's, he's brought into a mess. And, and it starts with his family. It starts with those closest to him. Uh, Joseph's brothers are so jealous of, of Joseph that they betray him, get him sold into slavery, and they fake his death and lie to their father that Joseph's been murdered and killed and torn apart by an animal. And so Joseph's carried away as a slave. He was a favored son, and now his value could be mistaken based on his circumstance but his value never changed. So he's walking with God. He has a purpose from God, value from God, loved by his father. He gets betrayed by those closest to him. He's sold into slavery and brought to the land of Egypt. And there he's sold to a man named Potiphar. Potiphar has him employed as a slave in his house, which I'm sure most of the slaves were not happy about their circumstance because they were not there by choice. They were not there willingly. And yet Joseph, rather than become bitter at his brothers and those around him about being mistreated, here's what he does. He honors God. He's sticking to his values. So much so that one day, Potiphar decides he's gonna promote Joseph. Man, he puts Joseph in charge of his whole house, which sounds great, except he's just now the slave in charge of the other slaves. So he's still not free, he still doesn't have a choice, and he's still in an environment he'd probably rather not be in, but he's being faithful to God and honoring God above everything else. But one day, uh, Potiphar's wife, who's on the Desperate Housewives of Thebes, shows up, sees, 
sees Joseph and actually says, man, Joseph was good looking. And it says that in Genesis, like it's in the Bible. And she sees he's good looking and she's like, hey, Joseph. And she goes, and she tells Joseph, come and lie with me. My husband's away. Everybody's out of the house. I send him away. Nobody will know. Joseph actually could have, in that moment, compromised his integrity. Could have taken the easy route, but he had his values. And he said, I'm going to honor God, even when it's tough to honor God. I'm going to make a choice. You know what he does? He flees. He runs. And even him choosing the route of integrity and honor actually costs him because she accuses him of a crime he didn't commit. He gets uh, thrown in prison and actually spends the next several years of his life in a horrible pit. And yet, here's the thing about Joseph. Because he stuck to his values, God honored the end of his story. And Joseph got promoted above everybody else. God restored him, redeemed him, and actually God used his life to save his own family and his brothers who betrayed him. God redeemed Joseph's story. Why? Because Joseph stuck to his values even when others were dishonorable to him. Can I tell you, if you're dating somebody who doesn't honor you, they won't honor you while you're dating. They probably won't honor you while you're married. Selah. <laughs> so, so here's what we need to recognize. We need to decide beforehand who are we gonna be. How are we gonna define the relationships we're in? Uh, There's a pastor, I, I came across this quote recently. He said, your inner circle, for your inner circle of friends to stay with you for a lifetime, one of two things has to happen. Either you need to all stay the same or you need to grow together. You either need to all stay the same or you need to grow together. Uh, they say that the average person has seven major life transition relationships. People you thought would be with you for life that aren't and that you once were close to that you're not and sometimes those end poorly. And, and, and uh, I, I also heard in that same t- statistic, the average pastor has seven relationship transitions a year. Uh, so I know what I'm talking about. But, but, but you have to know when you go through a transition in relationship that maybe, just maybe, it's because of a difference of values. It's because you're going two different directions. And some people are there in your life for a season. They're good people. They're well-meaning people. But maybe they're not with you for the long haul. And, and, and you're trying to bring certain people that, man, you were, you were at a certain place in your values in high school, but now your values have changed. They've grown. And you're going a direction that they're not going anymore. And you can let those keep you the same or you can decide to grow. And, and never kick somebody out of the car, but some people want to leave the car. Are, are you with me? And you've got to know how to let people go. Here's what Exodus says. You know the story. You at least know it from Prince of Egypt. Some of you grew up church kids. God sends Moses to Pharaoh. Here's what he tells him. He says, here's the word of the Lord. God says, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. Do you know what stands out to me in this story, in this, this passage in particular? God said, they're my people, not yours, Pharaoh. And there's people in our lives that leave our lives for that season. And some of us are still holding on to people. And even, can I just take it even further? We're trying to control people that are supposed to leave our life or leave our season. We're trying to hold on to certain things, keep the relationship the same way. And, and here's why this is important, church, because I have three kids. I love my kids. But my greatest goal in life is not for my kids to just need me because I want to point them to Jesus. 
In fact, they're my kids, yes, but they belong to Jesus. Do you know my wife? I love my wife. But you know what? She's the king's daughter first. Do you know why we worry in life? I think it's because we still own what we should surrender. We worry because we're trying to control what we should release and trust God with. And we're trying to change our spouse, but maybe we should invite God to do what only he can do. And we should allow God to change us first. And we try to, we try to fix people around us and we try to make everybody go the same direction. And, and, and some of that is what God's called us to in the season, but maybe, just maybe, we need to not operate in the spirit of Pharaoh and we need to release people to the God-given purpose he has for their life. Okay, um, here's what happens when we live by values. We're gonna have to set boundaries. Now, boundaries is, um, it's an overused term. There's good boundaries and there's bad boundaries. Let me give you what the Bible says about good boundaries. Good boundaries are values-based. A good boundary is something where you can say no because you're trying to protect your most important relationships. So there's some things I say no to simply because I wanna protect my marriage. There's some some things I'll say no to because I want to protect my time with my kids or, or my calling in life. And, and so there's certain things we'll say no to to protect. We set a boundary. Sometimes we need to do that in our own integrity. We set boundaries with certain things that would actually affect our heart. But we also need to set boundaries with people. And good boundaries are ones where we actually allow our values to set the tone of the relationship. What if, I'll just use my wife's story, before her and I met, she, she had different people asking her out and she always did the same thing. She said, I'm going after Jesus, show up at church. She goes, you wanna go out with me? Let's go to church. Thankfully, they didn't stick around. <laughs> and I found her in church. Come on, somebody. God is good. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and finds favor from the Lord. Yes, that's my favorite verse. Um, but here's what I want you to see. She stuck to values. She said boundaries because of values. Values protect your calling protect your future, protect the blessing of God in your life. Boundaries help you say no to lesser things so that you can, here's the, here's the key, so you can say yes to a much more important thing. And some of us have never said yes to God. We've said yes to everybody else and everything else and every opportunity and everything on our schedule. But when it comes to God and the most, relationship, most important relationship of all, we don't have any yeses left, we only have a no. Well, God, I'm too busy. But you know what no's do? They create the ability to protect our most important and higher yes. Uh, go to Nehemiah if you can. Uh, Nehemiah tells a story really well. Nehemiah is engaged in the work of the rebuilding of the walls of uh, Jerusalem. Yeah, Jerusalem. And as he's rebuilding the walls with his people, there's opposition. And the opposition comes through this guy, Sanballat and Geshem and, and others like them. And, and they try to stop the work of the rebuilding of the walls. Here's how they do it. They send messages repeatedly. And here's what they say. Come down and meet with us. Come meet on the plains of, of uh, oh no, I think it is. Um, but but here's, what he, here's what Nehemiah responds. I want you to see this. He says, why would I leave a great work that I'm doing? I'm doing a great work. Why should I come down to you? and finish, and not finish the work of the Lord and let it cease. Now you think by saying no, have you ever said no to somebody and they don't take no for an answer? Yeah, yeah, this is what happens in your mind. Go to the next verse. Because when you set boundaries the first time by saying no, 
Some people don't know how to respect boundaries in others. And so they violate those. They, they step over those. And if, if you won't care about your boundaries, why would somebody else? Some of us are frustrated and complain about what we actually tolerate. Okay. But they sent this message to me four times. Over and over and over. Now, some of us by like time two or three, uh, we'd be like, okay, fine. I'll come and meet with you. Let's get this over with. I'm just gonna go along to get along. Do you know what Nehemiah does? He says, I'm sticking to my values. He sends back the same message. Nope, still no, no again. This is what matters. And he stuck to his values. And because of that, God could use him to rebuild the city and rebuild the walls and bring revival to a nation. His no protected him and protected a much higher yes. Now, let me just say this. There's also bad boundaries. Good boundaries are based in values. Bad boundaries are based in pain. I'll never be hurt again like that. I was broke. I'll never be broke again. I'll never let somebody treat me like that again. And so we, we create boundaries, not on values, but on pain to guard against pain. But here's the problem with pain. Whenever you make decisions based on pain, you'll live in pain the rest of your life. And here's what happens. You build walls that don't have a gate and you actually become isolated from the very people. While you may actually accomplish the task of keeping away the wrong people, you'll also keep out the right people. And you'll sabotage the most important relationships you have. Some of us still have up walls to the very people that God wants to bring in our life. And so we need to recognize what we're doing based on values and what we're doing based on pain. Pain is meant to be healed. Let me give you an example. If I do something based in pain, I'll try to control the outcome. Um, if you're raised with financial hardship and then you say, I'll never be like that again. So instead of just simply learning to budget, being wise with your money, you actually keep yourself from being generous and say, God, I'm not gonna trust you. I'm gonna do it my way. When we make decisions based on pain, we build walls that keep us trapped as well. When we make decisions based on pain, we keep ourselves from relationships that God wants to bring into our life and we isolate ourselves and none of us were meant to live life alone. Some relationships ended in the season or they've changed and we're still mourning the way things are instead of releasing those to God. I wanna help you with this today because here's where we're at. When we have good boundaries, we need to reinforce those with values. When we have bad boundaries, we need to change those and allow people into our life that God wants to bring. Boundaries matter. My wife said that I don't have good bound, or I'm not good at respecting boundaries. At least that's what her diary said. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I learned the importance of boundaries. I, okay, this is way too much information, but, but the guys in the room know what I'm talking about. When you go into a men's room, there's these dividers between the urinals on the wall and there's an unspoken code. You don't talk to me. So guys will have like great conversation and then they'll have to run the restroom and it's like awkward. They don't say anything to each other. I don't know what that has to do with my sermon. Take that on my podcast. Um, <laughs> Boundaries matter. <laughs> yes, okay, I'll just move on. Um, Jesus knew how to set boundaries. Here's what Jesus did, Luke 5, 16. He himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. 
Without the boundary to get alone with the Father, he wouldn't have been able to have the other time with the crowds be effective in the way. And he he did that to model something for us because some of us don't know how to get alone with God. And so we're depleted, we're grouchy, our relationships are are unempty because we haven't first received what we need from God. So so this is is important. Uh, What about family? (laughs) Um. Some of you are like, you don't know my family. Mark chapter three, let me read this quickly. Mark chapter three, verse 31, Jesus' brothers and his mother, so Mary had sons with Joseph, uh, they came and stood outside and they sent to Jesus calling him. And a multitude was sitting around Jesus, there's a crowd, Jesus is doing what he's sent by the Father in heaven to do. And they said, look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. Jesus answered and said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him. He said, here are my mother and my brothers and forever does the will of God is my mother, my my sister, my, excuse me, brother, my sister, my mother. Now, why would, it seems like Jesus is kind of like blowing him off. That's not what he's doing at all. In fact, he actually took great care for Mary in particular and his, but here's the thing. The brothers at this time did not believe in Jesus that he was the son of God, the resurrected, that he would one day rise from the dead, all of that. They believed after the resurrection, but here's, here's the point. Um, I, I don't know, it doesn't say why they're trying to get his attention, but at that moment, Jesus is doing what he was sent by heaven to do. And in that moment, they're, maybe they're thinking, uh, this is a little embarrassing, Jesus. Could you just tone this down? Could you, could you just leave this crowd, stop talking about this Messiah stuff and come over here with us and just... And they're, they're actually trying to isolate, separate all that. And Jesus goes, no, no, here's, I'm gonna have to say no to some things, even to those that I care about and love so that I can say yes to something that's more important in the moment. And, and this is important because sometimes the areas we have the, the least amount of effective boundaries or the most life-giving, or we set up bad boundaries are with the people that are closest to us. And here's why, that's why we need to go back to values. And can I just make this personal for a moment for you? Maybe, maybe somebody's told you no and you haven't been willing to respect it. Can I just say for the sake of the relationship, value the boundaries that have been set and some relationships will never be what they could be because there's a continual violation of no's when they're set. And God wants to bring life to those relationships, but there's gotta be a rebuilding of trust. Number three is we need to see value in others. We need to see value in others. So, God wants us to recognize we need relationships. We need to go to the right place, to the right people. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm having a major bleed <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm having an injury, major injury or something, I'm not going to go to hy V. Because if I go to hy V, you know what's going to happen? They're going to have to shut down this grocery store. And they're going to call somebody who actually can help me that can deal with the issue. Like God's actually put people in our life that we can go to, and that's what the church is to be, a place to find hope and healing in Jesus. And some of us are trying to take our issues, our problems, our pain to the wrong people. And, and, and here's the thing. In the midst of all of that, we're not recognizing that people matter. Sometimes because of the maybe bad boundaries, we become so isolated 
or have gone to the wrong people in the wrong places so many times that we've given up on relationships, we've given up on people. Maybe lots of people come to us and they, they, they need help and they need hope and you're just, you've given out everything you have, your, your kids, your, what, your, whatever, and, and you're empty and you just think, ah, I just need to get away from everybody. I, I, it's funny how many times I have people say, I love God, but it's people I don't like. Do you know the people matter? Not only do we need to see our value in Christ, but we need to see the value of other people who are made in the image of God. And the person who annoys you, who frustrates you, who's difficult, who probably sat in your seat today instead of, okay. Um, that person is somebody for whom Jesus gave his life. A difficult person at work, a family member that you get in an argument with every Thanksgiving. We need to see the value of relationships and the value of other people. Early in life, things are, are too important to us. Things are what we think life is about. We think it's about what we get, what we can accumulate, what we can have. And as we grow, we replace things sometimes. We replace it with experiences. Well, if I just had that experience, if I just went on that vacation or had that job or uh, married that person, and we look at relation, as, as, excuse me, we look at experiences as what life is about. But here's what I found. Life is not about things, amen? And it's even not even about experiences, it's about people. I used to love going to Disney World when I was a teen. We'd go to Florida and uh, we'd visit Disney World and they had a single rider line where I could skip the crowd of an hour and a half wait just to get in the single rider line. And I'd jump in there, man, it was awesome. I could skip it all, all the wait. And I'd go on the ride like five times. And then I realized one day that I turned to like share, man, that was awesome, wasn't it? And it was some person I don't know. <laughs> and you didn't have the, anybody to share that experience with. And you realize late in life, many times, that it, life is about people and relationships. Now, some of us haven't figured out that it's not about things. Some of us are still pursuing and chasing experiences at the cost of relationships. But people matter. People really matter. In fact, I'll say this. We need to invest in our relationships. The best relationships require the greatest investment. But man, are they worth it in the long run? If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far in life, go with others. And for that to be the case, you have to be willing to see the value in other people. Imperfect, many times messed up. But man, they're worth it. You're worth it to God and so are they. Here's what Jesus said about his followers. I'm gonna close with this verse, John 13, verse 34. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I've loved you, that you also love one another. So, so here's, actually verse 35, by this all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for each other. So, so he says, if you're following me as a Christian, here's what's gonna mark your life. Not that you know more of the Bible. It's good to know the Bible. Not that you even attend church. It's good to be in church in the house of God, growing in our faith together. He says, here's how you're actually gonna be known. Not by how much of a following you amass as disciples and, and, and how, much, how big the church grows or how big your organization grows. You know that two of the fishermen in this group, two of the disciples, had the biggest, most successful business day of their entire lives the day they left all to follow Jesus. They were fishermen. They caught a haul, man. And then they left it all to follow Jesus. 
He didn't say you'd be marked by your success in the eyes of the world. He didn't say you'd be marked by how much money you make or how much you can accumulate in life. And let's even take it a step further. Not even by how, much, how generous you are and how much you give away. Here's how he says you'll be known, by your love for each other. Wow. That the church, that believers, that you and I would love other people. And here's the standard. If we can put that verse back up. Here's the standard, verse 34. As I have loved you. When did God love us? When we were perfect and had it all together? No. When we were hurting, when we were broken, when we were in need. In fact, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Every person alive is worthy of God's love because God created them and Jesus was sent to die on the cross for them. That means that now Jesus defines my relationships. That means that because I've been forgiven, I'm to forgive. Yeah, but you don't know what they've done to me. You don't know how they've hurt me. Here's the problem with unforgiveness though. It's been said many times, but it's like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. But, but Jesus forgave me, and so how can I withhold forgiveness? Now, some of us misunderstand that and think, well, because I forgive them, that means I have to immediately trust them. No, trust takes time, investment, consistency, Restore, restoration of relationship. We're all called to forgive. Maybe you've had to set boundaries because of broken trust. That's okay. But we're called to forgive freely because people need Jesus. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. They're not in conflict with each other. In fact, sometimes a boundary is the most loving thing you can do. Telling the truth in love is the most important thing you can do. But whatever it is, let us be a church, let's be a people that we point others to Jesus. Here's what I found, I'm not enough. We're not enough, even for the people that love us, that are close to us. We need to point everybody to Jesus. We need to, I want, my number one goal as a, as a father is to point my kids to Jesus. I, I, I don't always do that perfectly. My number one job as a husband is to point my wife to Jesus. For our church to point us all to Jesus because all of us are not enough by ourselves. We all need him. And I just want to encourage you today as we look at this, I know dealing with the subject of relationships can be painful and can be difficult because all of us have relationships we wish were better and some of them we feel like they're broken beyond repair. Here's the good news. God is a redeemer. He's a restorer. And regardless of the outcome in that particular situation, will you be a person of values who says, this is who I'm gonna be. They may talk about me, mistreat me, but I'm gonna honor back. I'm gonna bless those who curse me. I'm gonna serve others when I'm mistreated like Joseph. I'm gonna walk in integrity like Joseph did when, when I could take the easy route and nobody would know. Well, God would. And I'm gonna honor God regardless of how people treat. That's what it looks like to live by values. But to do that, you have to first find your value and significance in him. I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet. I would like just to pray before we leave. I know the relationships are hurting maybe in this room. 
There is nothing beyond the grace of God to heal, repair, and restore. But here's the key. I can't control them, but I can, I can surrender to Jesus. And I can invite him to do what only he can. And I can pray for them and ask heaven to be poured out in their life. And maybe it's somebody who's left your life and you think, I have to do something. Well, you can pray. And here, here's what I found. Jesus is the only way to God. Amen. But I'm also not the only way to Jesus. And I'm not the Holy Spirit in every person's life or anybody's life. My job is to pray and trust and give point people, but, and all of us do that. But maybe it's time for us to, instead of worrying, we surrender. Instead of manipulating, controlling, and nagging and arguing, we actually surrender that and we invite God into that. If there's, if there's turmoil in my marriage, then let's be honest enough to have a conversation about it and then submit it to Jesus. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.